Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the entertainment from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well on this Monday afternoon as your week is getting started off. Hope it's going well so far. We got a packed show uh, today. Didn't know, or for a better term, forgot that Star Wars Celebration was this weekend. So we got a lot of Star Wars news to talk about on on top of a a couple other things that had scheduled for this show. So, of course, we're going to be talking all about the news that we've gotten from Celebration this past weekend. A lot of big stuff coming out of that. Also, we're going to be talking a little bit about the trailers galore that were dropped all last week. Uh, It seemed like there's about three, four, five different trailers that were dropped last week. So we're going to talk a little bit about them. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about the movies of this past March and or the last few weeks, if you want to put it correctly, um, because this past week we had a couple movies come out with Air and with the Mario movie, with uh, those coming out this past weekend. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those and the movies of the past few weeks. And uh, I, I mentioned this on the Views pod that we'll talk a little bit about this. About uh, I think it was in reference to Shazam, which is coming out on digital pretty quickly. Or it might have been even Mario that I saw and had it the other way around. But talking about movies releasing quickly on digital platforms... Um, soon after their theatrical release. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I think we'll save that towards the end as uh, as we get more into the movies. So, you know what? Let's start with good old Star Wars here and start off the pod. Um, house cleaning out the way first, though. If you haven't yet, be sure to go check us out where, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go give us a follow, rating, review over there. Check us out on Twitter at 573pods. And Views Pod this week, NBA playoffs. We are diving deep into it and previewing what's to come for the next several weeks as playoff action gets started. This week with the play-in tournament and with round one starting on Saturday. So we'll talk about that on the Views Pod. So with all that out the way, let's talk about Star Wars Celebration. A lot of big stuff coming out of this event. Of course, coming off the heels of the last Mando episode, which has been a lot of discourse around that episode. Uh, Some good, some bad. But nonetheless, there's been a lot of discourse about that and the direction the Mandalorian and Star Wars is going. And we had this event coming up this weekend and we got a lot of new news particularly on the movie side there had been a lack of movie news there been there's been a lot of changes with movies that have been scheduled Kevin Feige's movie I don't think is happening I don't know what ha- I don't know what's happening to Patty Jenkins movie I don't think anybody knows what's happening with that movie but we got announcements of three new movies coming up in the next few years for Star Wars. 
and we'll talk about which ones I'm more excited about and which ones are probably going to come out first. Let's start off with James Mangold's uh, Star Wars movie. And this uh, is, of course, his connection with Lucasfilm, obviously with the new Indiana Jones movie, which they showed a trailer for at this event. You know, you wonder if, how good Indy 5 is, and if they feel like it's really good, then that's why this can, they're like, hey, we want you to come and direct something Star Wars related for us. You have to imagine maybe that that's on, that's the case. But uh, he's coming to direct a, a Star Wars film. I don't know if this was the original plans of anybody else's movie or not. It, it you know it sounds like um one of the other films is more so based on that idea but James Mangold's Star Wars film uh is going to be taking place around 25,000 years or several thousand years at least before the current and known timeline and will explore the origins of the very first Jedi and Mind you, he's also doing this, and he's also writing a script for Swamp Thing. So he's got two big things going on in two different franchises with DC and with Star Wars. So uh, he's go he's writing both right now, and we'll have to see which one gets done first <laughs> and, and go from there. Um, that may be the key thing on if this film is going to be the first one out of the three that were announced it's going to be made or not. But... Nonetheless, this one is happening. Origins of the, of the very first Jedi. And he's kind of described it as something that's inspired by Ben-Hur and the Ten Commandments. It mentioned the term a biblical epic uh, uh, with this one and talking about the Jedi and talking about the birth of the Force. Where did it come from? How is it found? Who is the first ever Jedi? Um, all that good stuff. And this is in conjunction, I, you know, with the kind of basic timeline that they've given us for uh, for the Star Wars timeline. Of course, we already know a few of the timelines with, you know, the Fall of the Jedi. At, there's a screenshot of it up on Twitter. It's, it's been circulating all weekend. Uh, we know the Fall of the Jedi, the Reign of the Empire, the Age of the Rebellion. And the New Republic, Rise of the First Order, uh, the New Jedi Order. We also got High Republic, Old Republic, and Dawn of the Jedi. And, you know, that's kind of what this sounds like it will be. Uh, Dawn, the, Dawn of the Jedi, I don't know if it's going to be the title or not. But we have that coming up with uh, James Mangold, and we'll have to see when this one is coming out. The next one that's coming out is from, I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce the director's name, but I believe she did some work on Miss Marvel and, um, and something else. But um, this film is going to be set 15 years after The Rise of the Skywalker about rebuilding the new Jedi Order. And Daisy Ridley is coming back as Rey and is going to feature her trying to rebuild the Jedi Order several years after Episode Nine. 
Now, of course, you can imagine the talk <laughs> about the sequel trilogy being brought back up. Um, I will say this. I'm glad that they are going away from the from the sequels. They're going away 15 years. They're going into the future and telling new stories. That's the difference with, with two of these stories is that we don't know about the long past of the Jedi and the Force and all that stuff, and we don't know the future. And so Rey is going to be trying to do what Luke tried to do, and uh, hopefully she doesn't uh, get involved with uh, a new Kylo Ren emerging, uh, destroying her new Jedi Order. But that film is going to be happening, and it sounds like with the way they discuss it with them having a director tied to it with Daisy being attached to it, I think that there's a screenwriter attached to it. Sounds like this one is the furthest along, and it might be the first one up, uh, if we're being honest. It, it might be the first one up. I saw somebody toy around with the idea of it coming out in 2025, with it sort, sort of being the 10-year anniversary of The Force Awakens, which, that's not a scary thought right there. That's already been 10 years since Episode 7, uh, or that we're getting close to it, at least. Uh, but that's not a terrifying thought. But it does sound like this one is the closest, at least from what they were talking about, the closest to being released with uh, all with all the people they have attached it so far, a lot of the big pieces that they need to. So that's going to be one of the films. That's number two. And then the third one, we've kind of been wondering about this one. It's been floated around. Like, what if the you know, so-called Mandoverse, if you want to call it that, is going to lead to a movie with all the franchises? And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like we are getting a movie from Dave Filoni, who is making a film about essentially all these different pieces connected in the Mandoverse, whether it's the Mandalorian, whether it's Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew, it sounds like it's going to be tied into it. Um, it sounds like all of those pieces are coming together. We know who the big player is going to be uh, for, the, for that film, and that is going to be, of course, Grand Admiral Thrawn, which we've got a lot of Thrawn teases uh, this weekend, including uh, the Ahsoka trailer. And it sounds like we're getting some coming uh, pretty soon here in the last couple weeks of this season of The Mandalorian. So uh, we're getting a lot of Thrawn teases. But it's but Filoni is going to be making a film talking about the and, and what they put it as the escalating war between the Imperial Remnant and the New Republic. And we've kind of seen how the New Republic is right now. It, they're, they're not running it efficiently. Uh, at all in the best way to put it is they're kind of bumbling around trying to figure out you know things and all that good stuff but it sounds like it's going to lead in what john favreau put as a culminating event for the mandalorian and for the mandalorian universe in which all the pieces are going to come together for one big film and what 
I guess we can assume is going to be taking on Thrawn and his forces. So those are the three films that are coming out. Um, I don't know about when this film could come out. Of course, we'll have to see how these last two episodes of season three play out. We'll have to see how Soka plays out when Skeleton Crew, when that comes out and when that gets done. Um, we'll have to see about that. So honestly, I could probably, in order, I could see the one about Ray and rebuilding the Jedi Order. I could see that coming first. I think this Mandalorian film, I could see that coming second. And I could see the Mangold film coming third. And as he mentioned, who knows which script of Swamp Thing or this is going to get done first. So we'll have to see on that. But on another note, um, one thing I do like it about these three is that they all, they're all in different parts of the timeline. You get one in the past with the Mangold's film. You get one in the present with what's going on in The Mandalorian and in the current timeline. And then you get one set 15 years after the sequel trilogy. So I do like that aspect. I do kind of feel like we're... Uh, don't want to generalize, but I think probably the general public is, even though there's been discourse about Mando in this season, I think people are generally excited for that. Um, as far as my excitement, um, the one about rebuilding the Jedi orders probably last, but all, that's just because I love the Mandalorian universe. That That's probably number two. And number one, I'm really curious about Mangold's film. Of course, Mangold is a really good director. We'll have to see how his Indiana Jones film does. But has done some really good films in the work in, in the past. Well, I'd see we talked about this when the Swamp Thing deal was announced. Um, Ford v Ferrari, Logan, two of my favorite films of the last several years, and he's doing something that's going to be a a telling of the first Jedi, how the Force, the birth of it, where it came from, all that stuff. So I think that might honestly be my number one most anticipated out of those three. But those are three new movies that we're getting. And I'll, I have to make this comment. Who knows if they're gonna even going to get made. Um, with the way things have gone in Star Wars film here the last several years, you got to pose the question. But those are some film announcements that we got from Celebration. Uh, of course, going back to Thrawn, we got some glimpses of him and the Ahsoka trailer, which it does seem like it's going to be a live action Rebels type of sequel right there. And looks like it's going to be really fun. That's coming in August, so we, we know an official date for that. We're getting that in August, I believe, with eight episodes. Uh, same set as The Mandalorian, so we're going to get a couple months there of uh, Ahsoka and dealing with that show. And there's a trailer shown for Skeleton Crew and also stuff shown from the Acolyte, which I've seen a lot of praise for that and how different it is. Um, and, and how it is, of course, that's set in the High Republic. Um, I think that's the first... That's, first project I think we've had that's live action that's been there so that's really compelling 2024 is when we're going to get that I imagine that might be the first 
one that we'll get and we'll get skeleton crew in 2024 as well. Um, I can imagine it being some the kind of the same timeline that um, this year is, is on with Mando early in the year and uh, Ahsoka around uh, August, September. So I could see that being the case. But from what's been said, the Acolyte said it looks really amazing. Uh, and it's been described as Frozen meets Kill Bill. And there's been some talk about some cool martial arts fight scenes in this one. Uh, it will be said during the High Republic following the bad guys as underdogs. Um, so that's... Th- this is a really cool Star Wars story because we're getting it from the perspective of the dark side users. We've always been kind of, you know, looking at the story from the perspective of the, of the light side u- users, but getting this perspective of the dark side users and how they view what's going on, and particularly in an era that we haven't been in before with the High Republic, is uh, really going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds, see any sort of uh, new technolo- technology we haven't seen before in any Star Wars film, uh, even though it is said in the past, we might see some new stuff there. So sounds really exciting. Sounds really awesome. And I believe that's it for the Star Wars stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a big week in Star Wars with all this stuff coming out and kind of blew over my head that this was happening uh, this week. So, yeah, a lot of good Star Wars stuff coming out this past week. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it some more in case there's any other news that pops up. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Mando, depending on how this season wraps up with these last two episodes. And there's been a lot of that's been said about these last two. So uh, we'll have to see how those go. But uh, let's move on from Star Wars. And uh, let's talk about all the trailers we got last week. We got a bunch of them. I think we're getting a trailer for the Marvels uh, tomorrow. Uh, So we'll want to see how that goes. But... We had a lot of trailers, and it started off Sunday night with Secret Invasion, which is coming out on my birthday. And uh, (laughs) I I don't know, me and Peter have been joking in the group chat uh, with uh, Peter's birthday is only a couple days uh, away from mine or before mine. So we've been joking in the group chat. You know, Kevin Feige decided it was time to give us a birthday present. So... uh, (laughs) Kevin's like, here here you go, you guys. Um, So it's coming out on June 21st. And just by the vibes of the trailer, Secret Invasion works really well with the Winter Soldier type of theme, with the paranoia theme of it. Who do you trust? Who do you not? And, of course, you involve Nick Fury, which is the greatest personification of those two ideas in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it definitely has a Winter Soldier type of feel. And it's completely different from the Secret Invasion that a lot of us know from the comics. And, you know, honestly, it would have been tough to try to do it, but 
that's what Marvel's done with all those famous titles is that they've put their own spin on them. And uh, I'm really excited to see what their spin on, on this one is. Uh, if it's what we think it's going to be, then uh, I think we're going to be in for a really good treat uh, for the next six weeks, uh, starting on June 21st and leading to what? Beginning of August. So that should uh, probably lead us right into Ahsoka. And, you know, let me kind of do some math here. Um, yeah, it, you know, with six episodes, it'll take us right to the end of July and we'll get Ahsoka sometime in August. So hopefully we get two good series to kind of from, from Marvel and Star Wars kind of helm those summer months from June to July to August and to September. And of course it depends on when Ahsoka's out and if that's a episodes, but should be fun for the next few weeks, if that's the case. And so secret invasion, that was the first trailer up on, on Sunday. And then Monday, we got the Blue Beetle trailer, which is coming out, speaking of August, I believe August 17th, August 17th, August 18th, um, something like that. Of course, that's going to be the first film after the Flash film. And it does sound like it's going to be one of the early films of the DCU. And probably the best way I could describe that trailer for uh, for Blue Beetle is kind of like an Iron Man meets Venom um, meets, you know, Shazam, um, Spider-Man Homecoming type of vibes. Uh, if you know, if you've seen Homecoming, and if you know the first Shazam movie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, those type of vibes and um, Venom and Iron Man and all that good stuff. But really excited to see a character that I'm not all that familiar with. I know there's been a surge of popularity with um, Young Justice and shows like that. So I'm really excited to get to know more about this character. Um, and the way that the Scarab works, and, and the suit actually looks pretty good. I believe it's practical. I mean, there's been leaked images of the suit on set, and it's practical. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, uh, CGI suits and the whole helmet thing. And, you know, why can't we go practical? Well, that's what they're going with for this one. But, uh, we had that trailer on Monday and kind of weird seeing George Lopez in a trailer. Um, and then you had that line there at the end with Batman's a fascist. And, uh, so we got that trailer on Monday and then Tuesday we got two trailers and we got, Barbie and we got Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I'll start with Barbie here because I got more to say about across the Spider-Verse. Barbie just looks like <laughs> it, it looks insane. Um with the with all the stars that are in there with all the different Barbies and Kens. I I don't I don't know what's going on. It's coming out the same day as Oppenheimer, which it is a double feature. Uh, <laughs> it it's an interesting one. Uh but it's certainly a double feature option uh, with uh, with those two, um, a Barbie film and an Oppenheimer film directed by Christopher Nolan. Talk about different ends of the spectrum right there. But uh, we got a trailer for that. That just looks insane. And then the Across the Spider-Verse trailer. And we really got to kind of know more of the story about what's going on. And 
I think we all or I think most of us, you know, after how amazing the first one was, kind of wondering, okay, how can they top the first one? Um, how are they going to be able to do that? And it looks like they have, and the bar has been raised in uh, in this trailer, where you get to see a whole lot of Miles' relationship with his parents now and how that's going uh, a- after the first movie. And seeing how that goes and of course we get introduced to the spot which i'll be honest i think we were probably all really like really the spot but if i think you're doing a movie about multiversal travel and all that stuff i think the spot's probably an excellent villain to have in this movie and the only really experience i've had with the spot is from the animated series in the 90s so it's been a while um so kind of weird and kind of cool to see see him as a villain in a, a mainstream spider-man movie uh but of course we all know kind of the uh the thing that's going on here is that miles is going to get introduced to all these different versions of spider-man women spider people I, there's one and one still that's a horse and i don't know why we should be surprised after we saw spider pig and, uh, and the first one is like, you know, just give an animal spider powers and, you know, it's it's a Spider-Man or Spider-Animal or whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, we get some shots of Miles seeing, uh, of him being around all the, that group of spiders that have those powers. We get shots of Jessica Drew, of Spider-Punk, Spider-Man India. And we also see Peter B. Parker, who now is a kid. And uh, so good on him for going back to his universe. Of course, we got the tease of that in the first one. But we get a shot of him. And really, it's kind of this... uh, The trailer hinges on this whole conflict with Miguel O'Hara and Spider-Man 2099 and Miles. And it seems like... The main crux of this is the whole destiny thing with people that gain these spider powers is that eventually you lose somebody that you love that's close to you and dies tragically and that kind of pushes you to become uh, this hero or the version of the hero that's the best version of you. And it seems like Miles is kind of like saying, like, why does my destiny have to be the same as everybody else's that has these powers? Why can't mine be different? And it kind of makes you wonder that that's probably the reason why they are up in arms about this, is that Miles is not agreeing to like this part of his destiny and they're like well hold on you know how you know how much that can change the multiverse or something like that or you know like people that have spider powers this has to happen to them and so it feels like that's the reason for this whole conflict between miguel and miles is that you know 
Miguel thinks that Miles needs to go through this. And Miles is like, why? Just because all of you did doesn't mean I have to. Mine can be different. So it seems like that's the main central conflict between the two. Uh, we get a mention of Doctor Strange and uh, our Spider-Man, Tom Holland, in this trailer. and call it Earth-19999. I believe that's the proper amount of nines. So we uh, get a little bit of a tease of that. And I believe in the international trailer, there's also a couple shots of Toby, Andrew, and Tom uh, before that trailer started. But we'll see if we get them in this one or in the Beyond the Spider-Verse movie, I believe, coming out next year. But it seems like the main conflict is going to be between Miguel and Miles with Destiny. And, you know, is your Destiny controllable? And uh, all that good stuff. And so let's see if, you know, one of his parents do do end up dying. In the comics, I believe both end up dying at some point. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Of course, we've gotten a couple excellent shots, uh, including one of all the, of really just, you if you remember the end credit for the first one with Spider-Man 2099 pointing at the, Spider-Man from the old 60s uh, cartoon. I believe that's the decade. <laughs> I hope I'm right. In which you get the pointing meme. One of the shots is that times a million. Uh, maybe quite literally with uh, all the people with spider powers uh, that, are, that are there. And they end up doing the pointing meme. And so we got that. And probably one of my favorite things about this trailer is the Spider-Man therapy shot in which, listen, you know, Spider-Man therapy is easy. <laughs> we all know what the central problem is. <laughs> you, you lose a close one, you, like an uncle. And we get the line of like, of, you know, the Spider-Man is like, yeah, I looked at my uncle's like, and the therapist is like, I get, you know, I, I already know he died. And so, like, that was a great way to end that trailer. But that was an absolutely standout trailer from uh, all the trailers we got this past week. And I believe that's the last of them, unless there's another one that I'm missing. I feel like there is, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, it was a big week in trailers. Uh, last week with uh, a lot of trailers for these blockbuster movies that are coming out here in the next several weeks, including shows with Secret Invasion and all that stuff. So, yeah, trailers galore last week. And now let's get to actual movies galore, in which there was a bunch of movies that have come out in the span of the last month. And, of course, we'll start off with, I believe it was the first one, with Creed 3. And, of, of course, you got the whole Jonathan Majors situation going on with uh, with that. It, like, that's just not good, you know. And you hope it's not true, but it kind of sounds like it, it might be. It, it's just not a very good situation. Um, and so... It, it, 
it does make kind of the talk about Creed three. It, it it does kind of make that a little bit difficult at least because of how good he is in it. I was like, and how good Creed three is, but um, like Creed three, as far as the other parts of that movie, uh, Michael B. Jordan did an awesome job in his directorial debut uh, with this one. Uh, some of the shots that he went for in this movie were just outstanding. And also the empty arena thing, which, listen, for for all these movies, spoilers, be, be beware of. All right, you've been warned. Um but just the empty stadium uh, scene with both of them fighting, uh, I thought was a, a very interesting choice. And I I thought it was for Michael B. Jordan to decide to go for that in his first movie. I'll give the man his props. Um, to go that bold for that type of shot and the way that scene was shot with them, you know, fighting their past in a way as well. But uh, I thought that was a really good job by Michael B. Jordan as, in his directorial debut. Uh, knocked it out of the park with uh, Creed 3. And then I believe the next one up. Scream 6. And there's been some news about Scream 6 and that it's become the highest grossing film of the franchise at the domestic box office. And, you know, it, it was really good. It was... I, I honestly did not see the twist coming and it kind of was, it was like playing around my head. It's like, okay, how's this going to play out? You know, but I figured, you know, we'll just see how this goes. It, it, you know, it's about the journey, not the destination uh, is how the saying goes. And so we went to see how the twist played out and I did not see the twist coming with, the family all being in on it and seeing how that happened. It was kind of crazy. It was like, you know, it, for the screen franchise, you do so many twists and turns. You're like, okay, what can we come up with this time? And, you know, they come up with something different, something didn't think of. So this one was really good. Better than, Scream 5, I think they took it up another level. And uh, this one was uh, really fun. Uh, the kills were really, oh boy. I don't know if I'd ever seen somebody get stabbed in the nose before. Like you think of all the ways people's, people have been stabbed in movies and shows before. I don't know if I've seen somebody get stabbed through the nose. That's tough. <laughs> That's a tough way to go. Uh, and then we, I think we got somebody got stabbed through the eye. Somebody got stabbed through the mouth, which I don't know how you survived that. And then uh, we get the old TV lands on the head kill that we got in, er, in an earlier screen movie in, in the first one. And uh, I, I hope that's right because I, I don't have a good enough memory for to figure out if that was the first one or second one. I, I believe it was the first one. Um. But, uh, yeah, Scream 6 was really fun. Uh, and I'll, I'll save Shazam for last and kind of let that be a, a lead into our discussion a little bit later. But that was on 
March 16th, March 17th, that weekend. The next weekend was John Wick Chapter 4, and my oh my, this one was absolutely amazing. Of course, nearly three hours, and there's probably some people that felt that runtime. I, I, I'll be honest, I kind of felt it a little bit, but man, was it so much fun to see all the different destinations that we were going to, all the different people um, that we were going to get introduced to with Donnie N's character and his relationship to uh, John Wick. It, it was just insane. It, they, I read earlier that there are like two 30-minute action set pieces. and like, come on. And sure enough, there were two 30-minute action set pieces in this film, and all of them were amazing. Um, there was one particular shot in which I don't, I guess you can call it overhead, where John's, I, you want to call it a hotel, or maybe it's something else, maybe there's a proper term for it. But it was just like this overhead shot of him taking out all these guys. And that was, it was a really different shot than, uh, than anything we've seen in the Wick franchise. And also the Dragon's Breath shotgun. Holy crap, man. Uh, <laughs> man, I mean, you can just run through people with that thing. And, uh, man, was that awesome. But, uh, this franchise is, even though it's seeing the kills that John Wick have in this span of, I think what we forget now is like days since the first movie. I think what we forget is that there's a heart to this, that John, he doesn't like doing this, but this is for him to find some, way of peace some version of it for him and that's what all these movies have been about is trying to find some peace to live life whether that's you know actively living or moving on into the next life and seeing him and winston's relationship and them as friends uh after what happened in the third one uh, really good stuff. And of course, I mean, we had Lance Riddick, um, who sadly passed away, um, prior to this movie getting released. Um, so they did a little bit of a tribute to him at the beginning of it. And I imagine, you know, you have a, the film all set up and, um, you have his passing happen and you got to rush to figure something out. But, uh, they did that, and uh, it's kind of shocking to see what happens in the film to his character a little bit later when his character dies. Um, we saw and how much of an effect that had on Winston, and talking about what John would want written on his headstone, not knowing what it would tee up later, which is a good husband. And we get that final face-off which of course we get that scene with with john just trying to mow down these guys and he does and he just gets pushed back down the stairs <laughs> push all the way back down the stairs and he just barely makes it 
and we get that you know we're, uh, you know sort of a, a western type of confrontation the standoff between donnie yen's character and john wick and um them taking their shots at each other and john making it look like he got shot in which i mean he did get shot but kind of playing along and then bill scarsgard with his character um trying going to get the last shot to get the final kill john surprises him and goes headshots him and uh then we get that moment uh where john is on the steps sitting on the steps there there are some beautiful shots in this movie too the shots in this movie are outstanding the choreography of the fights were all amazing um but you get the shot of john on the steps and you can see he finally has some sort of peace and passes on to the next life and we get shot of his headstone so kind of shocking that we got to see john wake and die in this one and it's made a whole lot of money we'll have to see if uh they want to do a fifth one uh if they don't i am perfectly fine with it with this one being the last one uh, i think they just did an outstanding job with this one and they just kept getting better and better and raising the bar and this one did that and uh, it does feature a dog in here with the tracker and his dog and John Wick ended up saving a dog in which he couldn't save his. And so you figure out, hey, this guy can't suffer the same fate that I did in which I got my dog shot by a, a bad guy or two. Um, so I thought it was a really fitting conclusion to this story of of John Wick and we're going to get to see him in the prequel movie Ballerina with Ana de Armas. I believe that's coming out next year and it takes place before this one. So we'll have to see if they come back to do any more Wick movies. But if this is the last one, the tip of the cap to them, job well done on one of the best action franchises we've seen in, in a long time that has a lot of heart to it. So that was on march 24th and then dungeons and dragons came out i I haven't had a chance to see that i mentioned on the views pod that there's three movies i wanted to see and it was that air and it was the mario movie and i made it a, a mission to try to go see at least one of those and that's what i did i went and saw air on friday night and had a blast with that I'll go into Mario here a little bit since uh since I don't have a whole lot of it, it from my perspective, but from the group chat, I have a lot of it from Matt and Rebecca and Peter's perspective. In which short but sweet from Matt and Rebecca's perspective, they loved it. <laughs> it. I don't know if there's anything else to add there. They loved every bit of it. Um so hyped for all of it and it delivered for them and for Peter, who is kind of in the same boat as me, as a guy that isn't, not the, you know, figure out what how Peter put it, like a non Mario fan perspective, uh, I think, as for somebody that 
it isn't all that knowledgeable about you know Mario, but it knows like the pop culture stuff, the basic pop culture stuff. That uh, that's where Peter came in, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. And I believe he said eight out of ten. And um, so that's that sounds pretty good to me. Um, and so I might have to end up checking that one out here in the next couple weeks or so before we get Guardians Volume 3. Um, but Mario is already making a whole lot of money. Um, it has earned over $370 million in the film's worldwide opening weekend. And that's a lot of money for uh, a movie of uh that that's animated biggest it's a biggest global debut ever for an animated film and 204 million is what it made over a five-day opening it and it's the biggest five-day opening ever biggest opening ever for a video game adaptation and you know you got this being successful and you got the last of us being successful you have to wonder if everybody's gonna try to cash in on the video game adaptation ip stuff now that's the case um, as far as three-day openings for an animated film it's the third biggest uh for that type of opening with 146 million and it's the biggest opening of 2023 so far uh so four months in and mario leads the way with 377 million uh it's a big number for uh for that film and I know the Rotten Tomato score, we can talk about that all we want. But uh, if the audiences like it, the audiences like it. And it, it showed with, uh, with how much money they made in its opening weekend. So I'm curious what the, how this film will go for me, how it will hit me. Uh, but like I said, if it hit Peter, who's somebody that, is not as probably all in as Matt and Rebecca probably were or know as much about it as as those two. Um, then I, I'm really kind of excited to see how it hits for me and if it'll hit the same for me as it did for Peter. Um, I don't know if it'll hit the same for me as it did for Matt and Rebecca, given that you know I, I, I'm not as huge a fan of it as they are, but if it if it hits for me, it hits for me. I think that's, you know, it, for a film and for it, its excitement, listen, it's going to have people go into hype overload for how awesome it is for others. And people are like, that was really fun. And like, that's fine. It'll, it'll just hit in a different way for somebody that's not as into um, the, the Mario Nintendo stuff but is knowledgeable of the pop culture stuff is knowledgeable of all the things that tie into Mario and that world. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm excited to, with how all three of them spoke about it. I'm excited to see how it's, uh, how it'll go. And I'll have to figure out when I'm going to see it um, because I still want to see Dungeons and Dragons and uh, I still want to see that. So I, I got a couple weeks to figure out what, uh, what my plans are, but, um, Morrow, off to an amazing start at the box office. We'll have to see how the second weekend goes and see if he can build on that big opening weekend. But uh, as I said, I went and saw Air, the movie about um, Nike 
trying to sign Michael Jordan to his shoe deal uh, with him back in the early mid eighties, 84, I believe it was uh, directed by Ben Affleck. And you got Affleck as Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike. And you got Sonny Vaccaro basketball guru uh, played by Matt Damon. And you just got a, stat cast with those two you got jason bateman in there you got viola davis in there you just got a, a lot of awesome actors in this one and affleck is a really good director uh, just knocks out of the park and i think they did so with this one as well i think everybody in this film was absolutely amazing um and listen it's basically I don't even know if it's technically a sports film. I guess you can say it is. But if you could probably central one message about this film, it's about betting on yourself, which is what Vercaro did, and trying to convince Nike to go and use all their budget on their shoe line to go and get Jordan to the Jordans themselves, to MJ and to his mom for betting on themselves and knowing what they're worth. And so I think if there's a central message to this film, I think it's all about betting on yourself and, you know, and knowing uh, your worth and if, you know, how, if you bet on yourself, you know, something awesome could potentially happen. If you do that, it, it that sometimes it will pan out. And uh, that's definitely what happened in this one. Uh, it, it's essentially a bunch of people talking budgets at, at boardrooms and homes for a couple hours. It, it, but like, it, it it was still amazing uh, to see uh, to, to see this one again. Everybody was awesome in it. Viola Davis was awesome in it as a uh, MJ's mom. Didn't really see MJ, uh, see the actor who played MJ, but it kind of presents an, another thing about. Um, this movie is the mythical type of figure that he is. Um, the guy that you don't expect to exist, but actually does exist. And uh, yeah, th this was a, uh, you know, it, as far as Jordan, you can make films or shows in different ways about him and his life, his career. But uh, put this type of frame on it with Nike trying to get him to come along and sign with them instead of Converse or Adidas. Uh, I think this was a, there's always going to be different frames to how you can do a Jordan movie. And this was one of them. And this one was one that worked for me and was just really fun to see play out. Um, so I'd highly recommend it if uh, if you all are interested in seeing this plus there is a needle drop of the pools intro song which <laughs> absolutely hits um and uh is is awesome but uh yeah this movie was uh really amazing as well um so if you want to go check it out and, and if you have a local theater of yours that has it go and check it out uh you'll have, you'll have some fun so i think as far as all the movies coming out, we got one more to talk about, and that is Shazam. And I'll that I'll kind of tie this into what the what I what tweet I saw about Mario here. 
um, here in a minute. But of course, we had Shazam Fury of the Gods, and it's not making money, <laughs> the, to put it uh, short and sweet. Um, it's not making a whole lot of money for, uh, D for DC right now, for Warner Brothers. And you can pin that on a lot of things uh, on the film, on the marketing and all that stuff, or whether, you know, what's going to happen with these characters. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun in, in general. I thought it was a lot of fun, had a lot of same qualities as the first one, but of course the first one is going to be the more successful of the two um, as far as money-wise, because it seems like the first one, even though at the time we didn't think it made a whole lot of money, it's probably going to make a whole lot more than uh, this one. But with this one, I believe it's coming out on digital here the next few weeks, or the next couple weeks. I had to figure out when, um, because it seems like I saw a tweet that it was coming out here pretty soon. And for Mario, this movie is coming out on digital platforms on May 9th. Now, if you're look, if you're thinking like May 9th, like that is only that that that's a month from yesterday, and from the time Mario came out, that's over, and that's about a month away. That's thirty days. And it's gotten into this big discussion about, you know, the theater industry and having movies release that quickly after their theatrical run. And you do kind of wonder a, a couple things. A, would this have happened without the pandemic? I think so. I think with the way the streaming world has gone and what I think eventually it would have gotten it to this point. I just think the pandemic kind of sped up the timeline a little bit. And now you got this window of 30 or 45 days in which it doesn't seem like a whole lot. Like I remember when I was young, <laughs> really weird to say that, but I remember that it took a, a while for the films that came out in theaters for them to come out on DVD or something like that. That took a while. And, uh, you know, of course at that time you probably would have wished, Oh, I just, well, I wish they come out now. And, and of course at that time, you're not thinking about that, about the stuff that's happening with the theater industry. So <laughs> why do you care? Um, but, now, all these years later, you're starting to see the effect of it. And maybe you can contribute one reason to why Shazam did not make a lot of money is, hey, it's coming out on HBO Max in, probably, in about 30, 45 days. Just wait at home. And listen, if with how much the theater experience costs nowadays. Like, I remember, again, it, when it was me, my dad, and my sister, we went to go see Air. And it's, this include the tickets, include a popcorn, a, I believe a drink or something like that. It was around $40, just for three of us. 
Um, now, if my mom had went, it probably would have cost way more than that. And so with the, how much the theater experience costs nowadays, with how much tickets are, concessions, that you can make the argument and not be wrong that, hey, getting this at home is better for me. Now, yeah, well, it costs some on digital. Sure, but you don't have to leave. You can get your own snacks. And you can watch a movie from the comfort of your own home with however you choose to watch it. And I think you're starting to see a whole lot of that more now. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Disney right now. And they have like a 45-day window from from a lot of their stuff from when it hits theaters to when it goes on streaming. And I may be wrong about who started this. Maybe it was Warner Brothers with uh, oh, with their whole day and date release type of thing. And it got the talk of release date and how far do you release something from theatrical to digital. I want to say it was them that kind of got the ball rolling on that on this type of discussion. But uh, you're seeing that now, and, you know, I was reading something about the Guardians uh, pre-sale tickets. Now, granted, you know, what do we know? Do we know what we're doing exactly a month from now? A, a lot of us are like, no, no, we don't. Um, So, like, something could pop up, and it's like, well, you can't go do that now. You got to go do this other thing. But you also have to wonder with, with this in mind, how many people are thinking, like, it's going to be on Disney Plus in 45 days. It's going to be out in, like, what, a month or so, and a half. I'll wait to then and watch it on Disney Plus. And so I think you're seeing a lot of that now with all these other uh, streaming services and all these other uh, companies that have this kind of release model. And I I can't remember who is, was producing the Mario movie, but you're going to have this movie out on digital a month from now. And which theoretically... If I wanted to wait a month to see it when I have time, sure. But I could check it out a month, go get on digital, spend about $15, $20 and go get on digital and let that be that. Now, granted, it's probably, you know, depending on where where you go to see your movies, that type of money is probably a little bit more than a, a theater ticket, a, a ticket to go see it in the theaters. But not counting concessions, you're you're spending less watching it at home. Um, so it's just this whole big discussion of you know the theater industry and how it's adjusting to this and and how we're adjusting to this. And I think people are adjusting to it just fine. Listen, some people again the theater experience costs a little bit too much now, and you can see it from the comfort of your own home. Yeah, sure, go for it. But uh, I think it's a uh, it's a very compelling discussion to have about something that's been impacted 
and kind of sped up, I think, by the pandemic, is this whole release strategy for all these different companies, for Disney, for Warner Brothers, and uh, how they release uh, their movies now and release it from theatrical to streaming. Oh, I... We'll have to see how this goes in the in the next several months and see if there's anything else to add to this. But I mean, it is wild to think that the Mario movie that just came out last week now already has a date to when it's coming out on digital. That's insane to me. I can't even fathom that. I couldn't fathom that like five years ago. Much less the timeline I was talking about when I was super young. So, uh, yeah, crazy times we live in it. And with something that is really affecting the theater industry. Um, if you take a close look at it. So everybody, I think that's where we're going to leave this edition of the pod. So thank you guys for tuning in as always. Again, be sure to go check us out wherever you guys get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at 573pods. Check us out on the Views channel. Got one coming later on in the week again, talking NBA playoffs. They are finally here. The second season of the of the NBA, of the NBA season is here. The most important season is finally here. And we're going to talk a lot about that on this week's pod. Plus a couple other stuff that may come up during the week. So we'll see where that goes. But until then, everybody, thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully you guys have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you all next time.